Hello and welcome to the Get MKD podcast. My name is Marcus K. Dowling. As promised, I've seen you soon before I saw you later. Welcome. I'm a creator, curator, innovator, and iconoclast. On this show, in 30 minutes or less, we solve for a future we love by obsessing over the past and appreciating the present. In this episode, we discuss why sex, why now, and how sex and its related industries can save American capitalism. Now that we've set the stage, here's a bit of a backstory. I've been a fan and interested in the industry of sex since I was a child. I spent a lot of time watching a lot of late night Showtime, a lot of late night HBO, and I was a child of the first generation of the internet. So just curiosity wholly enveloped me. Um, I was an avid reader to books on my mother's bookshelf. My mother was a wild child in the 1970s and 1960s. So everything from Masters and Johnson to Dr. Bernie uh, Zilbergeld to Jackie Collins were all there. As an adult, it's not because it's, you know, I like being introduced as a sex expert at cocktail parties because it's fun. I'm interested in the sex industry because I believe that it's the only industry left in America that is bought into America's economy without selling out to it. Uh, even deeper, I like to think about the idea of sex as a notion that is free to consider, but decriminalized in reality. I think those are the best way to look at sex. Uh, even deeper in regards to this, I've had the opportunity as a journalist and as somebody who is uh, taking a casual passion into a professional realm to interview Xavier Hollander, AKA the 1970s happy hooker, Annie Sprinkle, one of the most legendary pornographic film stars of all time, Erica Zhang, who's the writer of Fear of Flying, which is a feminist empowerment uh, novel of the 1970s that uh, strongly influenced the way that I think about sexual freedom and personal freedom and a woman's right to the ability to have ownership and domain over their bodies. And furthermore, I've interviewed Gloria Brame, who's the author of Different Loving, which is a compendium of kink and fetish that when I was in middle school and high school was the, the first book that I read that was a quote unquote naughty read and opened me up mentally to the idea that the world was far rounder than it was flatter on a conceptual level. And as a free thinker, it allowed me to think about the world through the lens of sex and through the realm of desire and passion that informs this conversation. So furthermore, I have some writing coming uh, this month in Superchamp Books' Dating and Sex, A Theory of Mutual Self-Destruction. Very excited about that. Uh, that'll be out uh, February 23rd which is in two weeks. I've also written for Spectrum Boutique. I've written for Sexpert. I've written for Future of Sex, Kinkly, Kink Queens, and Kink E Magazine. It's a bit of a tongue twister, but all totally true. 
covered AVN, I've covered Exotica, I've covered FetishCon, and Sex Expo. I'm a big believer in sex as well. And sex is a notion that has every answer in regards to the recontextualization of America because the puritanical idealism upon which America was originally founded is very illogical when considering the socio-political state of America at present. I recorded this podcast only a month after an actual insurrection occurred in the United States uh, for the first time in, gosh, probably well over a century, which was mind-blowing to actually view on television. Uh, it put into crystallized thought a lot of things that I've thought about America in general. And when it comes to the notion of this podcast, it made me realize just how out of sync America is in thinking about sex and sexuality as being the actual enemy. Uh, one thing about the insurrection in, reg in regards to this is the idea that monetizing desire, monetizing passion, and making an industry of desire and passion ultimately requires creating desire and passion as things that are based in law rather than in opinion as worthwhile. We're at a place now where things that are opinion have more worth than the law. When things that have opinion that are opinion based have more value than the law, then we end up with insurrections. We end up with people angrily storming Capitol Hill. We end up with uh, the, the, the horrible fallout thereafter. Moreover, in the case of sex and sexuality being a thing that is also driven by passion instead of law, uh, we end up with a situation where those notions, when freely engaged with, lead to opposing notions occurring where people are able to express themselves in such ways that we've had in the last decade of time, a, a vast explosion in people's ability to freely highlight and showcase their uniqueness as sexualized beings and as uh, gender fluid and lesbian, trans, queer people. And there's something that is beautiful about that in the sense that being able to showcase and then highlight and also sustain your best actualized self allows you a level of freedom that allows you to be able to feel comfortable within the country. So I'll say all these things to set up the notion that we're in the midst of coronavirus and the nation is $30 trillion in debt. And we're also in the midst of a simultaneous recession and depression. And there's no actual economic answers for any of this. But in the midst of this, we know that allowing opinion to exist as some kind of 
semi-serious, legitimate rule of quote-unquote law in the country sticks pretty quickly. And it has radical, radical effects and radical impact, again, as seen with the insurrection. So my thought is, what if we were to contemplate the idea of radically restructuring America to have less of a puritanical religiosity and to reflect a more sex, sex work, and sex industry positive notion. Sex work and the sex industry overall are looking at the possibility of being worth in the realm of $250 billion by 2030. So that's a drop in the bucket as compared to $30 trillion. Yes, it is. But as a way to say, allow for Americans to earn a living wage in the midst of attempting to solve deeper for our outstanding simultaneous recession and depression, there's something there. Uh, neither Donald Trump nor Joe Biden wanted to give Americans $2,000 because literally it's impossible. Like we would bankrupt the nation if we were to do that. Uh, it's, it's just it's brass tacks facts. It is what it is. There's nothing you could do to change it. But if there were a way to look at sex work and look at the sex industry as places where legitimate business people doing decriminalized free thinking, free inspired consensual work could create an economic base that could ultimately save the country or just save people from eviction, which in regards to the notion of quote unquote, saving the country, I think is a far more tenable goal than this overarching notion that we're trying to, you know, quote unquote, make America great again, which if we don't have $30 trillion tomorrow is not going to happen. So in regards to that, uh, when we, we get back from the commercial break, we'll look at exactly what's happening on the legal side that along with our pervasive puritanical ideology is making it as impossible to occur. So I'll talk to you all after this break. Interested in recording a podcast like Get MKD? Well, it's as easy as pressing a button on your phone. Just like I did, you can download Anchor, a free app with creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Everything you need to make a podcast is available in one place. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Oh, welcome back. So I wanted to make sure that we broke down 
this concept of sex work is being decriminalized and not entirely free and why that's important. I wrote a piece for Kinkley in 2017 or 2019 rather. It's updated. Oh my gosh, they updated the site. Love it. Called Sex Workers and Advocates Speak on Legalized Sex Work. And in that piece, I spoke to Carrie Hill at the behest of Eve Manax, who's a amazing pro-dominant based out of the San Francisco area, who is Australian and has a whole entire amazing view on uh, legalized sex work because sex work is legal down there. Uh, she had me speak to Carrie. She said, legalization is arguably more radical in terms of a cultural shift than state decriminalization. It would make sex work by law identical to any other job. This means that legal rights, labor laws, and all the human rights entitled to normal workers would thus be extended to sex workers. To mainstream sex work, a lot of things need to take place. So it's no singular issue or focus. Sex work is highly intersectional at points of marginalization, but decriminalization would be a good first step. So that's why I use them in tandem as tandem language. Uh, for those who, people who are in the sex work industry who are listening to this podcast, just wanted to make sure that that was noted. So as we're talking, we're talking about the idea that ultimately the best possible answer to this is to create a scenario in which sex work and sex, you know, related industries are able to be monetized. Uh, there's three issues that are at uh, play here that need to be discussed even further. Foremost, there is the 1996 Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. As well, there is the Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, FOSTA, and the Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act, SESTA. Uh, those are two acts that were uh, enacted in around 2018. And more recently, there is the Stop Internet Sexual Exploitation Act, or CICIA, which was brought to the Senate by Senators Jeff Merkley of Oregon, he's a Democrat, and Ben Sasse of Nebraska, who's a Republican. I have a certain feeling about both of these that is inspired by some work with uh, by some work that was done by Anna Valens, who's a uh, journalist, a trans female journalist who writes for Daily Dot, and uh, a lot of her work is based in advocacy as well. And on December 19th, 2020, I'm going to read directly from her tweets. She tweeted about this because she nailed it uh, in regards to Sicia being pitched on the floor of the United States Senate. She said, the bill targets any online platform that hosts and makes available to the general public porn. This essentially ranges from only fans to Twitter. The bill demands sites with porn institute strenuous verification and content moderation systems, such as 24-hour platform hotline, with a two-hour window to pull reported material. These strains will likely cause Twitter, OnlyFans, etc., to dump porn rather than institute changes. Websites that violate this request violate the Federal Trade Commission's Act, unfair or deceptive practice rules, and too long, uh, she shortens it by saying, this can lead to a settlement negotiation or a cease and desist order, which can result in civil penalties if violated. So uh, ultimately, we're looking at a very draconian policy here. 
And ultimately, I, if you're looking at the nature of America in 2019 with Donald Trump as the president, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, to dive back to 2018 with FOSTA and SESTA, when Donald Trump came into office, there was a hue and cry amongst many conservatives to engage in a fight against sex trafficking, which people found was an issue, again, of great importance. I mean, not to undercut the issue, but in this case, it was related to the idea that the site Backpage was being used for the trafficking of minors for immoral and non-consensual purposes. Of course, there's a great deal with Backpage of consensual sexual communication that was occurring as far as like being able to promote yourself as a sex worker, being able to have good community amongst sex workers, uh, making sure that sex workers were protected from people wanting to engage with them who wished uh, harm upon them. Uh, it was a good community that developed there. A lot of these communities have to take, you know, take place in underground and not so obvious spaces because of, like I've noted before, the puritanical nature of America. Uh, the one thing about Backpage, though, is when Backpage was cut down, the the site had increased revenue 2,200% between 2008 and 2014 because 90% of their revenue had come from sex-based advertising. And uh, that says a lot uh, in relation to the conversation that we're having right now about being able to use sex and sex, sex work and sex industry related dollars as a panacea for America in 2021, there's obviously smoke with this fire. Uh, even deeper in relation, also in relation to Sicia, on um, Pornhub between 2000 uh, and, and 2017, at the time that I wrote this, uh, 600,000 hours and 4.1 million unique videos were uploaded to the site. Uh, Pornhub has a pay for pay-per-view level which is the only thing that's left now on Pornhub because of an article in the New York Times in 2020 that highlighted similar again to why SICA exists, similar again to why Boston Sesta exists, a lot of underage minors being showcased in pornographic uh, videos, as well as a rise in revenge porn and non-consensual acts being seen on the platform. Ultimately, the frustration there with that is that not everything that is available on these sites is a non-consensual, forcible, horrible sexual act. Uh, even deeper, Visa, for one or two days, uh, removed their cards, their bank cards, their credit cards from the portal. So if you were, say, a consensual legalized via the, the, the rights and privileges of Pornhub sex worker who was showcasing their wares on the site, their videos, and were getting, you know, subscribers and revenue from that, you were unable to recoup your, your revenue, which, of course, let's dive even further into Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996 made that possible. So... Communications Decency Act of 96 basically states that websites have 
proprietary right to remove content that they feel violates some level of ethical mores that are kind of a nebulous notion that are seen as being negative or against their protocol. So in the case of early era internet, that would be the rise of clips for sale and other pay for porn websites uh, that would also include free sites that eventually turn into the X videos and X hamster and free view pornographic video sites across the internet. So that's problematic in the sense that it's, it's a nebulous term. There's no actual verifiable codified way that remains semi solid in its definition of what is seen as permissible for purposes of showcasing consensual, sexual, or erotic behavior on the internet. At a case where Donald Trump is the president and you're dealing with America in a more, in, in its most conservative form in 40 years, the idea that these, again, draconian, for lack of a better term, it's the most extraordinary extreme term I can think of in relation to these laws. is problematic because ultimately you're denying people freedom. You're denying people their rights. You're denying people their civil human rights to free expression, uh, equal rights under law, so on and so forth, things that are inherently American. In thinking about whether or not we'll be able to overcome these laws to be able to save our nation, that's a whole other conversation. I would like to say that uh, what I'm presenting here is a modest, immodest proposal. It's more or less uh, food for thought in the sense that it allows you to think about the nature of America right now where Sites like OnlyFans and Patreon are experiencing extraordinary boosts in popularity and membership and uh, fanaticism. Even Beyonce rapped about starting OnlyFans last year on Megan Thee Stallion's uh, Savage Remix. Uh, we're at a strange place. And it's obvious that there needs to be a deeper conversation in relation to the amount of money that's being made on these sites in relation to the amount of abject oppression and abject like social unraveling that's occurring in the country. When there's this pool of money that could be used and there's a pool of pools of money in other sex work and sex industry related businesses that if looked at from a more respectable legal standpoint, that is not so onerous could ultimately offer some solution. I want everybody who listens to this podcast to openly think about the cost of desire and the value of passion. From the standpoint of being a proud boy or from the standpoint of somebody who likes pornography. 
even deeper, think about the fact that the film Deep Third in 1972 earned almost a half billion dollars in American cinema. Think about as well the video of far-right conservatives storming into the Capitol. There is clear currency, whether it is social or economic, in driving at the passions of people at this very dynamic time in American history. How much is that worth? And is that worth, worth considering impacting positively instead of negatively the future of our nation? If you want to talk to me more about this, you can find me online uh, via Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at, at Marcus with a C K Dowling, D O W L I N G. You can find the Get MKD podcast on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Get MKD. As well, if you want to listen to this episode of the podcast again, or you want to subscribe or get an update as to whenever this podcast is uh, updated, which is typically every Friday, uh, you can find us on Spotify, Anchor FM. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Also via SoundCloud and anywhere where you're typically trying to find podcasts to listen to. So once again, I've seen you later before I saw you first. Have a great day.